On a day when the World Cup squads have been announced, it's easy to get lost in the noise of it all. So let's all get lost together, listeners. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory, and this week I'm joined by my very good friends... Adam and... Andy. Here we go, boys, back together again. And it is starting to feel like the World Cup's getting close. It's starting to feel a bit realer now. Um, yeah. Are we starting to get a bit more excited about it? I'm going to start with you, Andy. Are you starting to get a bit more hyped? Yeah, I, I go through the same process every year. You know, I, I look at the scores and go, what, what the fuck is this? What are we doing? This is going to be a load of shite. But I know as soon as we get out of the group stages, it'll be like, it's coming home. <laughs> so, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just can't wait for it's coming home followed by All I Want for Christmas on the radio. It's just going to feel <laughs> so mad. It's going to feel mad. All um, I Want for Christmas is for it to come home. Yeah. yeah that's it. The mashup we've all dreamed of. The mashup we've all dreamed of. We're, we're copywriting that timestamp. That is our idea. That's our idea. Um, Adam, are you starting to get excited about it? Yeah. Um, I was speaking to uh, one of our famous football journalists that will be talking or having on our FIFA preview or World Cup preview show, should I say, on YouTube. And um, the guy that I spoke to said, it's interesting, obviously, in the summer when we normally have the World Cup, we're going out, meeting up with friends, having a drink whilst we're enjoying the football. But because it's getting colder, we'll be at home enjoying it in the pleasures of our homes. So um, mm. he said, yeah, the reverse psychology, it might work, but he's not convinced by Qatar. But uh, nonetheless, looking forward to this World Cup because, like you say, it's getting a bit more real now. It does feel a bit more real. I think the squads being announced today was just like, oh, damn, yes. Now I'm like, I can f see yeah. the sticker books and I can like, you know, get excited <laughs> about it. But before we start talking about that football, we're going to just a few stories that caught our eye this week. And one for me, um, I think we've been calling him Cavaradona, right? He's had the nickname. He's got the mural on the wall. Uh, well, this week, he has had his car stolen in Naples, like it can only happen in Naples. But this only happens when you reach a certain status. It was returned to him within 24 hours under the order of whoever organizes cars being stolen in Naples. I absolutely love this story because it shows both sides of Naples, right? It just shows as long as you're doing it on the pitch – there's always someone looking out for you, right? This is the most Neapolitan story ever. What did you think when you heard this, Adam? Oh, it's amazing because initially I, I didn't hear the updated version. So I was mm. under the impression that he had his car stolen and he was shit scared for his life. So therefore he kind of said or instigated that he'd be moving closer to the city itself. Um, but it's heartwarming to see that someone does care for him and they've got his backs. Um, providing there's no cowheads on his bed sheets, then I'm sure it's all good, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he, he can definitely sleep a little bit sounder now. Right? <laughs> I think he could just knowing that someone out there, kind of like Batman looking over the city, someone <laughs> out there has kind of got your back no matter what happens. Um, I do love that story. And Kavara, it just, he is hitting that level. He is hitting that level. Mm. Um, but Andy, there was a story from Spain that we wanted to talk about, a real sign-off for a career. Um, do you want to take us through this story? Yes. Yeah, so, um, and, and obviously, Gerard Piquet's last uh, official game uh, was against um, Osasuna over um, 
midweek and he was on the bench and he managed to get himself <laughs> sent <laughs> off uh, with worse effects you son of a whore <laughs> it was along words. those lines yeah yeah you know <laughs> a, a few polite words um and that is Gerard PK done with football um, it's over it's over yeah. it's kind of it, it was on his own terms as well right of course it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't have that on uh, Barcelona's economic lever bingo cards. You know, <laughs> yeah. They get dumped up the Champions League and he's, you know, the ports of the blower to um, Jared Piquet going, look, mate, you've got to go. <laughs> yeah, this is it I now. Mean, the way that Barcelona treat players that they suddenly find dispensable is just something else entirely. Um, but yeah, you know what? He's he's a he's a rich bloke. I think he's got you know he's he's got a lot of investments off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's got everything he wants apart from Shakira. <laughs> Just that one, <laughs> that one thing. The one thing. There's always one thing left. If you're watching this, <laughs> whatever, wherever you'll find something. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, very good. I think we have to talk about his career quickly in terms of like, because I heard some idiot on Talksport saying that he he wasn't on a Talksport. Jamie yeah, O'Hara exactly. and Gabby Agbonlaw. Yeah, you knew whether Gabby Agbonlaw dared to turn around and say Gerard Piquet isn't one of the greats. Now, I'm not going to say is he right or wrong. I'm just going to say Adam, how wrong is he? Very wrong. I mean, you only have to look at what he's won versus those players and kind mm-hmm. of go, yeah, I think they're just jealous that they didn't have the careers that he had. Um, I think obviously yeah. the last few years has probably faded a bit of those mm-hmm. memories, to be fair. But regardless, at his peak, I think he was regarded as one of the best defenders, especially for Spain. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he got a good relationship with the likes of Ramos, despite their club rivalries yeah. as well, I think, you know, people forget about that, that he kind of, alongside Puyol, was formidable in that defence. I know Barcelona's defences have always been their weak points, but in fairness, he held that defence for a number of seasons. So I think that's the side that people forget about. But yeah, obviously, I think people are just using comparisons against legends as opposed to right now. I mean... Let's put it this way. He's definitely a level above the likes of Tyron Mings and Eric Dyer, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I still have PK in my squad. That's for sure. Nice. And Andy, of course, he's a United legend. I always forget that he won the Premier League, right? He won the Premier <laughs> yeah. League. Yeah, I think, I think you know what? That's probably some big use of the argument against him. Because obviously he was, that man, he was a very young kid at Manchester United at a time where we had peak Ferdinand and peak Emmanuel Vidic. So... The, the poor lad was never going to get a real yeah. assistant run of games, but you, you could always still see there was a player in there, and he's a very, very Barcelona defender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you could create a prototype Barca defender, he's kind of what he, he yeah. would be like. I, you know, he was a ball playing centre back before they were cool. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I mean. He, he, he was there. But he was part of that golden generation of Pep Guardiola sides. Um, you know, he's won, he's won everything there is to win in football. Like he's basically completed football. Um, there's not many players out there with a bigger trophy um, hall than he has, you know, he's got like, he's up there for higher appearances. I think only like, um, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi have got more appearances for him, you know, for Barcelona. Um, so yeah, I think he'll be one of those where time 
will be a bit kinder to him with that yeah. one. When you look back at his career, I think Barcelona fans are thinking the heat of the moment are quite a fickle bunch, and the only think about here and now, <laughs> to say the least, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that you know they're not often the most grateful bunch when it comes to those sort of things. Um, but you know, in a few years they'll look back and uh they'll probably appreciate him more. Um mm-hmm. and it's you know, so I think he won't be and he won't be short of um job offers in his future career because he's a, he's a very intelligent guy, he's a co-owner of uh, Mandora. Yeah, he's trying to get eight, them up the league, three, right? Who yeah, are in yeah. the Spanish second division? Um wow. Last time I checked on football manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they usually get uh, it right. They usually yes, get it right. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, um, I think it'll, it'll be fine. It was, it was a great defender. And I think you know, Gabriel Agbon Lahore is in absolutely no position to Just be stop. talking about no, who's yeah. world class and who's not. I mean, neither are we, but he was. He actually got paid to be a professional footballer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an end. It's the end to a fantastic career. 102 caps for Spain, 10 caps for Catalonia. As you alluded to, 397 appearances for Barcelona. And his honours, I'm not going to sit here and list them all, but more La Liga titles than I'm going to sit and count now. Um, Three Champions Leagues, a Premier League, a Community Shield. He's got another Champions League with United as well. My God, it never ends. European <laughs> Cup with Spain, of course, the World Cup. He won it all. So congratulations, Gerard, and enjoy retirement. I'll be intrigued mm. to see what happens with Andorra FC. I think that's going to be interesting <clears> to follow. And potentially a very good save on Football Manager. I feel like that would be a good <laughs> save. But now it is time to go to your review. We're going to talk all things Carabao Cup. Uh, we're going to talk Serie A. And of course, we're going to talk World Cup squads. See you on the other side. And here we are. It is Euro review time. There's actually been quite a lot of football, as always, in October. Like I said, I think there was two days this month where there was no football. Um, Even more football squeezed in this midweek. And we're going to start with Serie A. And we're going to start, I think there's only one game to start with, really. We've been slagging them off. We've been saying they weren't good enough. We've been doubting their credentials. And then they go and win 6-1. Simone <laughs> Inzaghi took it personally as Inter battered a hard-to-predict, to say the least, Bologna yeah. team this season. But I don't think anybody saw this result coming. Um, even the Interisti were surprised. Jeko scoring arguably one of the goals of the season. DeMarco getting two. We were talking about him last on Monday, I think, Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Martinez getting a goal. Chalanoglu with the penalty. And Robin Gossens. What a performance from Inter. And just how good was that Jeko goal? I'll start with you, Adam. Yeah, I mean, that goal, if we start off with that, that was incredible. I mean, I think it did seem to like take an age. And I don't know if it was because of like us anticipating Jekko to get his feet that far up to then control it and hit it at the same time. But that's just everything Jekko does takes forever. Everything exactly. does take forever. <laughs> the weird thing was later on in the match, he has like a cross uh, from the side. He heads it and he, admittedly, he just didn't look where he was headering it and it went off the crossbar and elsewhere. So he has these kind of moments where he looks brilliant one time and then other times he looks absolutely awful. But fantastic performance by Inter Milan, definitely needed um, because Mm -hmm. they've got a big match over the weekend against Atalanta. Um, And as we kind of alluded to on Monday's show, 
there's a lot of talks that are going on behind the scenes. It sounds like Inzaghi's had a bit of a briefing from those higher ups around his performance against the big six. And um, that was a much needed result. I think you saw kind of the team almost feel like they had a kick up the arse as well, because mm. that was a better performance by Inter Milan. Um, so yeah, much needed. Bologna, unfortunate. I think it was just the fact that Inter were just on fire. It has yeah. to be said. I mean, looking at all of the goals, not a lot they could do. Maybe just defend it a bit better, but they were just incredible. DeMarco just looks incredible. Lotaro, a different level. They just all seem to be singing and dancing from the same hymn sheet. So from that point of view, very good result. What about your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like it was the kind of standout stat is they had seven shots on target and scored six goals. That's kind <laughs> of like that is your night if that yeah. that is the sign of your night, right? And I think Bologna were definitely accommodating, but yeah, as you said, they didn't really do. But much the keeper, looking at the goals, uh, the keeper, you know, couldn't really do too much about them. It's not no. like you're slapping at no. them or anything like that at all. I mean, the first Zeko goal had big like sedan vibes in yeah. the yeah. Champions League yeah, final. Exactly. Um, we, we all know we all know the one, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, uh, DeMarco as well. I mean, I've seen you know, watched him a couple of times this season, he looks absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, absolutely rampaging left backs, and in a world where there's not that many top quality wing backs knocking about, mm-hmm. um, he's put him up there certainly yeah yeah well I think mm. I think a lot of Inter fans would put him amongst their better performers this season I think he went yeah. off the boil a little bit as of, of late as did the rest of the team but I think a lot of Inter players in a lot of Inter fans <laughs> would be saying he's been one of their better players mm. and on his day you're right you just cannot handle him I think Inter have got such a wealth of wing packs and they're all pretty scary you just wish they could all be a little bit more consistent mm. it yeah. just like and I think giving Gosens more time, as in starting him from games and stuff, would help as well. But they, mm-hmm. I think, it must be quite difficult for Inzaghi to cycle them and keep those run of forms coming. If you know what I mean, because he has to keep yeah, them yeah. all happy and then try and be lucky with coinciding that with form and the style of football they play is so dependent on wing backs as well. Like if if the wing backs aren't being effective that game you kind of nullify Inter to a point, if you know what I mean. Like, they do depend yeah. on the wing-backs a lot. But on their day, they're unbelievable. I think for Bologna, it looks worse than it was. But as you said, Inter needed that win. They are on a rough run of form. It's not getting any easier before the end of the break. Or is it? We're going to quickly move on, because Atalanta, all of a sudden, they're starting to wobble. Yeah, um, we kind of knew it would come at some point. It always comes at some point, but now in their last five games, they have lost three, and they've dropped from second down to sixth. They were unbeaten not long ago alongside Napoli, mm. and they've now lost three games. Like life comes at you pretty quick, right? Um, yeah. What have you made of Atalanta's kind of slide, Andy? Do you think this puts them? Do you think this makes a big dent to where they are? I think it just kind of resets them to the mean, if that makes sense. Mm. I think everybody kind of acknowledged, you know, we've acknowledged they're over, you know, they're overperforming in terms of expectations. So I think all that's and again with the amount I've said it before, with the amount of games and the intensity of games, yeah, um, it doesn't suit a team without, you know, they haven't got the biggest squad. They haven't the got world. a big squad. Um, 
So when the same players are playing week in, week out, you know, there is going to be a slight drop off and especially Mm -hmm. towards the World Cup as well. I think you'll see us. I think you've seen a subconscious drop off from some players and teams. So I think it's uh, understandable, but I reckon, you know, the, once the, once football comes back after or domestic football comes back after the World Cup, um, I think they'll be in a bit they'll be in a position to reset mm. and go again. Um, so maybe there will be a team that will appreciate <laughs> the break there. Yeah, yeah, I think they will be waiting for it. They are begging for it. Um, Adam, what did you make? What, what do you think's changed in their performances all of a sudden? What do you think is because I was watching? I thought Zapata got the goal, but yeah. like with Atalanta, we've talked a few times about they always have one player who just comes out and does well, but then they have one player they rely on. At the moment, they're relying on Luckman. And then when he didn't mm. turn up, there was no one else really to turn up. Zapata got the goal, but he doesn't look like his past self, right? No, I think it alludes to the fact that we said that Atalanta became a bit more pragmatic. So they've lost mm. that kind of style that they've been usually reliant on, which is that total football, create opportunities and not really do much at the back. Whereas They've been a bit more solid in that mm-hmm. respect. And I think if you think about the scoreline itself, Lecce actually, I, I think, a bit harshly done here in terms of criticism because actually they're a team that are fighting. Anyone that goes to Lecce is going to be in for a hard match. Not many teams have gone to Lecce and actually scored or thrashed them in that sense. So there's mm-hmm. not going to be kind of those kind of score lines, especially on that pitch as well. I think people forget about that pitch. It's not the easiest yeah. to play at. So... Um, <laughs> That, it's dry down there. It's yes, very, it's very dry, dry and very yeah. that pitch. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah, you look at it and you go, yeah, terrible defeat. But actually, they could still be within where they need to be. I think mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, if you said that there would be six at this point in the season, I think they would have taken. They would have taken it. Right it. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Oh, God, so right. I think this is the thing. They've got players coming back, like you said, Zapata. Zapata looks really hungry, in fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is true that a number of players didn't perform for this match. Um, and I just think Lecce were just really good. <laughs> yeah. Let's just hand it to Lecce. They had a very good game and two quick goals as well. Di Francesco just intercepted, ran through goal and it was just yeah. incredible so they were uh, yeah, yeah they were two very incisive attacks wasn't it it was very yeah. like before before Atalanta could react I think the goalkeeper maybe I think it's the second goal I think he comes out a bit too early yeah he's exposed. he definitely could have done a little bit better there but I think you're right they're just with the pace at which they attacked Atalanta and again you like you make a good point with the defense you look at the teams around them so Lecce are now 16th They've only conceded 17 goals. That's like one more than Torino. Um, like it's the same amount as Lazio. Like they their defense has been very, very good. It's the fact they've only scored 12 in 14 that's the yeah, problem. That's the so problem. they are they are a difficult team to they beat. They've probably picked up a couple of points recently. Like I mean, yeah, they well, their like, form's improved, definitely. Yeah. And plus um, I think uh, and they're less by the fact there's uh Spezia, Cremonese, Sampdoria, Verona below them and worse. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I, yeah. I think like we we said at the beginning of the season when they got the draw against Inter, the first game of the season, I think it was, we said these are going to be a hard team. Was it against Inter or me? They, they lost to Inter that day. Oh, but... in the last minute, wasn't it? Yes, last minute. In the minute. last minute. It was that bundled yeah. in corner. But they yeah. still were really good in yeah. that match. And they've been and we, showing yeah. signs like this for a number of games. So to be mm-hmm. fair... Lecce are a good side. It's just, like you say, they can't score enough goals. Yeah, and yeah. If they can uh, recite that, 
I'm sure we'll see them a bit more mid-table-esque alongside that mix that you see at the moment. There's a bit of a cluster that's going on. You're starting to see that breakaway from the relegation favourites now to the mid-table. And I think you're seeing Lecce just on the cusp of just being into that mid-table mix. So, yeah, kudos to yeah, Lecce. They, and, and their next match this weekend, I think, when I remember looking... They have got Sampdoria away. Good, now, good that game. is a very winnable <laughs> game. That is possibly the most winnable game in Serie A at the minute. So, Lecce could be giving themselves a nice little boost before Christmas. Mm. But they are a very good, like an entertaining team to watch if you like that kind of disciplined, kind of structured football. Quick breaks. <laughs> I find them quite interesting. Yeah. But Atalanta did struggle. 2-1 Lecce. Huge win for the Pugliese. You do love to see it. Elsewhere in Serie A, um, Adam, was there a game that jumped out to you that we need to talk about? Um, let's talk about Napoli, just because they've continued yeah, that amazing it. run. So <laughs> it it looks like on the cusp of it, like being potentially Empoli doing a job over Napoli because Napoli couldn't score. Uh, Raspadori had a number of opportunities in this match, hitting the posts, going wide with a few shots. Um, and then it was around the 76th minute whereby Cross comes into the box by Lozano. Uh, Osserman collects it, gets tripped up in the box. He probably buys it more than he actually yeah. gets fouled. And penalty, Lozano turns up, scores. And then a few minutes later, he sets up Zelinski to pass it into the net, essentially, passes old side. So, um Good result for Napoli. They continue that run. In fairness, I think on the balance of play, they deserve the win. But it has to be said, it did look like they were struggling at points. It mm -hmm. felt like they were really struggling to score. It felt like it could be one of those off days. But this is kind of the results that they need right at this yeah. stage because that kind of proves they've got credentials to maybe go that step further this time round. Because you need games like that where you don't think you're going to win and you pull it out of the bag. I think if you compare that to last year, I think they might draw that match. But, yeah, that's yeah. a game that is nil-nil last year. All yeah. day, that's nil-nil last year. And I think Napoli now have the thing where each game, a different character arrives and saves mm. the day. And it's just a different player steps up and is like, oh no, I've got this one. Now, the reason, one of the reasons I'm enjoying Napoli so much is I have a lot of their attackers in my Fanta Calcio team. So if Napoli go off the boil, <laughs> I'm screwed. But I also have her, uh, Chucky Lozano. I was delighted that he got the goal and the assist. But it really, it highlights how much everyone is just chipping in with this squad. Mm -hmm. And like Andy, we've talked about the squad depth, but how important is it to have these players that just, like, they'll, they'll all have their own little chapter in this season. Like, how important is that? I, yeah, I think the players probably feel within themselves that there's something special brewing in there. Mm. And when you know, when you're a team that have won 12 out of 14 league games, you know, everyone's scoring lots and lots of goals. Like there's also this sense where um as a result of the competition within their own squad, you know, the likes of Chucky Lozano and Zelinski, you know, and Simeone when he comes off the bench, they know they've got to come on and make mm -hmm. a difference. The players that start know that they've got to make an impact to the game because there is somebody who can make an impact off the bench and maybe start ahead of the following mm -hmm. game. And when you've got a core cool group of players where that competition and camaraderie exists, um, that's only ever good for the squad. I mean, mm -hmm. 
you see that you know with Arsenal in their heyday in the night um, in their nineties, Manchester United used to be the yeah. same. That you you know when you're successful, you're doing well. You can rotate people in and out easily yeah, yeah. because you know that they're going to give absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is a sign of uh, when they're bringing players off the bench to score late goals. That's what title winning sides do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think you know it's what just we said about Atalanta wanting the World Cup to come along as soon yeah. as possible. Napoli probably were like, no, 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 yeah. we, we'd we'd happily just keep plowing through the fixtures. So I yeah. have I I messaged a Napoli supporting friend of mine um, on Tuesday night when the game was, and I was like, Cazzo, Otto Punti, like what's going on? Like man, what's going on? <laughs> all all he said, all he said was wait until January. Just wait until January. But he did also say, I don't want the games to stop. This break is a pain in the arse. Can we just get this season out of the way and we can have the trophy already? Like, he just doesn't yeah. want to... He feels like the weight's going to kill him. I think this it, this is the closest we've seen Napoli get. Right, This is the closest we've seen a Napoli team looking like it, getting the results, performing like it. It is really, really exciting. I just, as we've kind of, as we're talking about, I hope the break doesn't kill them. The good thing for them is that a lot of their players, or quite a few of their players, didn't qualify for the World Cup. So people like um, Kim, is he going to be there for South Korea? Maybe he's going to be there for South Korea. Um, but Ossiman, for example, kind of arguably yeah, one of the most there. important. Raspadori, right? Di Lorenzo, a lot of the Italian players, they're just going to get a nice little holiday, do some warm weather training in Dubai somewhere. Yeah and come back rejuvenated. So a lot of the squad should be able to rest. They just need to get players like Anguissa through the tournament without any injuries. So fingers crossed for Napoli, but that is a huge win for them. And Empoli, again, a team that are always a pain in the arse to play against. Um, they're, they're kind of finding themselves a little bit down there now. They've lost three of their last five. They're in 15th. They're on 14 points, but such is the state of Serie A they are still seven <laughs> points above the relegation zone. So it looks closer than it is. It definitely yeah. looks closer than it is. Um, the last game maybe we're going to talk about, I think it has to be purely for Mourinho, who is the master of stealing <laughs> the headlines. Yeah. Um, Tammy Abraham breaks his gold drought just in time for Gareth Southgate to ignore him. But the headline, <laughs> of course, is after the game. So, Adam, what... Did Mourinho say this time? And who is he talking about? That's the question everybody's asking. I've got the quote here. So it is, of the 16 players I played today, I was satisfied with the attitude of 15 of them. The other player, I won't say who it is, but he betrayed everyone else's effort. I told him to find a new club by January. Um, So the speculated uh, member of the Roma squad is Karstrup. The uh, right winger, um, shock. I mean, um, yeah, basically, it's such a weird, weird kind of game in fairness because it was kind of end to end Sassuolo between Roma. Sassuolo had chances, probably could have edged it. I, I feel like I feel like Mourinho's picked a good time to deflect for what was a bit of um, a dodgy performance, from, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it wasn't yeah. great. Um, you know, Loriente um, was causing havoc. Uh, mm-hmm. for them um with him and Fratesi as well he had a delicious shot that was just tipped over the bar and both those two together are really threatening yeah. uh, for them um you know you argue Rover got the goal at the other play but I think um I think Abraham hadn't scored it was seven games um 
I think he left. Uh, left it, he's left it a little bit late to start. A little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a little, a little bit, yeah. bit. But I think you're right with Mourinho. He's used it to deflect, and that's what he does. That is what he does best. Yeah. But I think a player like Karlsdorp, I think it's fair to say the Roma fans have never been too convinced by him. Um, <laughs> and Mourinho as well, maybe not convinced by him either. Um Roma's run of form, though, it is concerning, and their season could kind of turn into a nothing. Um, how do we feel about this Roma team? I'm going to start with you, Adam. How do you feel like what what is going to happen here? What's going to happen is there'll be further meltdowns. There'll be someone that he will kind of just drop randomly. Uh, I'm going to just speculate and say it'll be Zaniolo. Um, okay. He'll have a little bit of a drop in form and he'll have a little bit of a sulk and then there'll be mayhem before we know it and Andy knows what happens with these kind of uh, Mourinho cycles uh, they don't end up too well for the uh, club or Mourinho and he'll get a big payoff and then yeah. Roma are back to square one again because yeah. they'll have all of these players um, it'd be a shame in some respects because they've needed someone to kind of build them up a bit and they got this trophy and now they kind of just trying to get into this top four mix now. And it doesn't it's look not like going it's well. going to happen this season, is it? But no, then you look at the table, they're not a million miles off it. They're only two it? points behind Juventus, right? But Juventus are in a run of form where they've won the last five. Roma yeah. have won two of the last five, lost one and drawn one in their last two games now. It does feel like they're very much in different on different trajectories. What concerns me is that this year, this is the most competitive we've seen Serie A in a few years. And this is the most we've seen Serie A competitive across the last decade, if you know what I mean. So this mm. is like a competitive league. And I feel like Roma could quite easily get left behind if they don't manage to sort this out. Um, I think, though... Maybe it's coming at the wrong time, but Abraham finally getting a goal is going to be good for them. It is going to yeah. be good for them. Because with these performances, I don't think their level of performances have dropped that much last year from last no. year. The difference is that Abraham was scoring. So I think that could be the big difference for them. But again, it's incredibly badly timed. <laughs> and they are all <laughs> about to go on holiday. Um, and the next game, they've got Torino at home. And Torino are not doing badly. They beat Sampdoria because, of course, they beat yeah. Sampdoria. Everybody beat Sampdoria. But they got the result against Milan a few weeks ago as well. So, yeah. potentially. Um, but the other thing I was going to say is we're waiting for Dybala to come back. Pellegrini mm -hmm. as well was off for this match because he picked up an injury against Lazio, yeah. it turns out. So, again, these players might come back. Whether it's this kind of game, maybe next part yeah, of the yeah. season, should we say, Um yeah, let's wait and see. But I think Roma are still okay for the time being, but we'll wait and see what the next meltdown is. I think mm. also as well, I think, um, you know, obviously there is obviously the distinct possibility there'll be a meltdown and it all goes to shit and goes to get sacked. But there's also the other side of it as well. There is, um, after the World Cup, there is a January transfer window. Um yeah, you know, it would it wouldn't surprise you, especially if Joseph be the way that he is, that he pushes the club to do some business. Um mm. and they have backed him as well, to be fair. Uh in terms of getting Dubala in the door. I mean, that that's another factor which probably is yeah. worth a consideration yeah, is yeah. what clubs have the ability to go into the transfer market and maybe do something to make a difference. Yeah. 
yeah. um, to the team. You know, obviously Juventus have got a quite hamstrung with their finances. They're very much stuck with what they've got. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Napoli, Napoli and uh, Milan, they're both clubs that their focus is just keeping the players that they've got as opposed to yeah, anything yeah. else. So if you're looking at a club that looks and goes, hmm, now is the time to spend. Yeah, yeah. Could yeah, we could yeah. we invest our way back into contention? Yeah. Then yeah, um, it'll be interesting. Like I said, because there's two points difference between Lazio in third and Roma in yeah. seventh. We could be talking about it next week, and, it and it's all the yeah. No, yeah. You know, you're absolutely you're right. right. You know, you're we, absolutely right. I, mean, I remember right. a couple of weeks ago we were roasting Max Allegri and wondering how he hasn't got his P45 <laughs> yet. I said that's then, still the, the scientists are still working out how that's turned around. By the way, like <laughs> yeah. that was. That I mean, five, was five, like... five wins, zero goals conceded. Rabiot played quite well. <laughs> it's, it, on, it, it defies physics. It defies yeah. physics definitely. But we need to very very quickly because the Cremonese fans. Are going to be screaming at us, going, Give us some credit, give us some credit. Yes, they got a huge draw against Milan. Divacarigi getting a goal disallowed. Sorry for all the Fanta Calcio chat, but he was against me this week and I was delighted it got disallowed. <laughs> but the Divacarigi with a disallowed goal, Cremonese with a massive draw, Milan disappointing performance. Adam, what do we think of this one? Yeah, it's just inconsistency from Milan. Again, this is the kind of thing that they do um, where they go from one result to the next and then disappoint and then pick themselves up again. Um, again, it was away from home, so you expect it to be a bit tougher for Milan. But that said, also, I had a look at the squads. They had to bring off the big guns off the bench as yeah. well just to try and get a result at the end, and they didn't manage to do it. But we've got to give credit to Cremonese. The defence was really solid. Um and I'll be honest, although there was those opportunities for Milan, um, they didn't really break Cremonese. Cremonese just mm. did a sterling job of just making sure that they stayed into the game. And yeah, fair play to them. Um, but yeah, word on Milan, I'd say, yeah, again, it's one of the kind of things that seems to be happening with them. They just go from result to result where they go in and out, uh, rely on certain players. Tonali didn't turn up for this match. Uh, Benacer did. Um, we, I don't know what else you can say about this squad. It's yeah, just really yeah. confusing at the moment. Um, but that said, that's what they did last season when they won the title. They did yeah. have these hit and miss matches. And I think we're still going to see that as the season mm -hmm. goes on because of the games being back to back. So wait and see. Well, Not always... disappointed. They didn't lose. That's the key no. point. Well, that's exactly. And I think, well, Cremonese, I was just looking at it. And Andy, I'm going to ask you, can a team survive on draws alone? Cremonese <laughs> still haven't won a game, but they've drawn seven games. That must be the most frustrating thing to look back on. I go, fuck, can we not just get one goal, boys? <laughs> just one goal. Do you think a team could survive on draws alone? It's I think still it could be because obviously... I mean, what is it like? Near enough 40 points is what's considered the general mark uh, to stay up. Now, realistically, that figure is usually closer to sort of 33, 34. So it's, fear, I think, mathematically doable. Um, Didn't Sheffield United stay up one season under Wilder during more games than they won? I think so, yeah. It's, I um, think you could be right. Last yeah. year's points total to stay up was Salernitana on 31. So Cremonese can still <laughs> do it. They can still yeah, do so it. Yeah, so there's 24 games left, didn't they? If they get another 24 points, that they is. They have to draw 31. every single game now. They yeah, have to they have draw to draw every single game. <laughs> They'll get 31 points. And um, yeah, it's and doable. 
Yeah, well, here you go. I do think the points total will be lower this year to stay up, though, to be fair, because some of those teams, Christ alive. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I didn't realize how bad Verona were. They got absolutely shafted. They this are summer, terrible. Bloody hell. They got shafted. But it is time to move on from Serie A. Um, we're going to preview the games a little bit later, and we're going to talk um, everyone's favorite competition, yours and mine. The Carabao Cup, I forgot it existed until <laughs> the notification came up on my phone. I was like, oh, crap, Arsenal playing Brighton tonight. And it was, <laughs> oh, crap, we're playing Brighton tonight. This game wasn't broadcast by any country in the world, so it was impossible to watch it unless you were in the stadium. I quite like, as annoying, well, I'm glad I couldn't watch it now, but <laughs> I quite like that as an old-school thing. Those people in the stadium were just like, oh, we're the only people who saw this game and uh, people who didn't see it can pretend it never happened. So it's win-win, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but to start off, we best talk right in against Arsenal. From what I saw, um, heavily rotated team. We started our third choice goalkeeper, um, Carl Hine, I think his name is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a Sony in this way. He had a bit of a stinker. He didn't... Uh, I always think, Andy, I don't know if you're the same, when you have like your third choice keeper on Football Manager, I'm like... I wonder why third choices just don't get started more in real life. They can't be that bad. And then you see a third choice keeper start and you're like, oh, right, okay. That's why they don't start. Yeah. The drop-off's pretty big, eh? It is, yeah. Like, yeah. I, mean, when I, when I, I mean, when I play football manager, I, I don't even bother having a keeper on the bench. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> like, I literally just have a first choice keeper, maybe like a youth backup. And then if I, just need, to, if I need to dive in the transfer market for an emergency keeper, I'd do it. But I just don't see the point in paying money for someone I'm not going to play uh, but back to real life yeah also the drop off is uh, it's a bit of a mad one well I feel bad for him because he's only like 19 he's quite young so I don't want to like go two footed in on him but he didn't have the best game but who did have a good game Reese Nelson stood out he was one of the players that everyone was like oh, okay is Arteta getting a bit of a tune out of him but that's enough Arsenal talk we need to talk about Roberto De Zerbi this was he rotated as well he kind of there was a second choice keeper a few players giving him a chance and the football they play the way they managed to drag mm. the Arsenal midfield out of shape and outnumber us on the attack it's genuinely impressive are we starting we're starting to see the Deserby ball now right this feels yeah. like he's kind of getting his stamp on the team yeah I'd say so and you're starting to see even the fact that he played a second string Brighton side mm. as well I thought that was the really impressive bit because it's one thing getting the first 11 or your first yeah. choice 11 playing that style. It's another trying to get those that are kind of on the cusp or reserve players to do the same. So it's very impressive to see that they managed to buy into that. Um, Billy Gilmore having a good game here, um, holding his lines. Um, Saramento, who will probably be in the Ecuador squad, Um he was a very good player, so keep an eye on him. And Matoma, who we mentioned on Monday's cool. show as well, again, peered for this goal. So, um, yeah, a really good kind of setup. And also, word for Colwell, who's the um, mm -hmm. Chelsea um, centre back. He looks really impressive as well, um, considering his age. I think he's only 19. He was only on loan at Huddersfield last season. So, the fact that he's turned up against Arsenal, and I appreciate it's not the full. First well, there was some, there were like yeah. there were some international players in that team. If you know what I mean, the Arsenal players definitely should have played better. Definitely should have been put in better mm. performances. But there's two things I quickly wanted to mention, both Danny Welbeck related. Um, <laughs> he didn't celebrate against Arsenal, 
He did celebrate when he scored against United. A lot of time for that, Arsenal legend. <laughs> and when Tarek Lanty scored the goal, he lifted him up like Simba in the Lion King. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. It was great. It was really, really great. So two beautiful moments there. Always love a bit of Danny Welbeck. But we're going to move on to another United legend in the Carabao Cup. And we're going to talk about Andy, Jesse Lingard doing the, as the kids call, I believe it's called the Griddy against Tottenham. How much did we enjoy it? I mean, yeah, Tottenham having a meltdown. I think we all love it on this pod. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but no, I I think, um, I think it does continue kind of what we said last week that maybe Nottingham Forest are starting to find a rhythm Mm -hmm. after signing God knows how many players. Um, So, yeah. Um, And I think also it says a lot about where teams sort of priorities are a little bit, you know, the lineup from Nottingham Forest was quite strong, to be fair. Mm -hmm. I think Steve Keepers obviously looked at it as an opportunity to build momentum. Uh, But, you know, to be fair, there's no mugs in the... um, Spurs team looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, what well, apart of I mean, a Fraser Forster as a backup keeper is pretty decent, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so you know, they've had all their big players, most of England's players Eric done. Dyer at the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I think Nottingham Forest would be really, really happy with that, to be fair to him. Um mm. Lingard as well. I mean, considering he's been paying what reported like 120 grand a week or something silly like that at Nottingham mm. Forest, like he hasn't really justified that so far um mm-hmm. but um you never know i think that's maybe it's a good opportunity for him to play himself in some form in the coming months but yeah i think um not in good forest so just we'll just be glad to build a bit of momentum get a victory under the belt yeah. um i think they couldn't afford to go into it and you know hope we don't get battered <laughs> so. yes yeah, yeah yeah now i think it's a big result for him it shows a bit like you said it shows a bit of progress and ren and loddy getting the other goal the player who's been struggling there a little mm-hmm. bit maybe that will be the little boost for him to get him into form but one of the games you wanted to talk about adam and it's not one of the headline games but it did make headlines um mk don's taking on morecambe what was the lesson from this one um so just to give a bit of context obviously probably the least kind of looks upon match in this round but Mm. it was more highlighted because of the attendance so um mk dons don't bring a lot of fans it has to be said even to the home games this being a home game for them and they squeezed them into one side section which (laughs) couldn't have been more than 500 fans morecambe who had about 76 fans turn up fair play to them for driving all the way yeah yeah wednesday night. night Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They, they were they were the ones that were criticised. Yet Morecambe fans took a picture of the MK Stadium, said, uh, "Is this all you bring at home?" Basically, and, um, <laughs> I really hope they were singing that. Brilliant! Really it was brilliant, despite the fact that they lost that match two 0 um, yeah. yeah, MK Dons not well supported. I mean, I for think a reason. It's a bit I mean, of a weird yeah, club, though. They're, eh? they're, not well, yeah. they're not well supported. They're not well liked. They've got a massive stadium by League yes. One standards at thirty-two thousand or something like that yeah so it's caps at 28 yeah when you go into stadium unfortunately i've been in the way end myself um the top tier is not completed with seats that's how bad it is um because they can't fill it they can't fill it they use it mainly for concerts these days um (laughs) that's where they get their sounds all of it depressing it's very depressing when you go in there it's a typical artificial stadium because you've got the little parks like retail elements to it as well so it's not the most yeah 
it's it's in Bletchley as well. It's not in MK. It's not in Milton Keynes either. So right. That kind of says it all. I feel, I feel um, honestly, it's one of those parts of the country. I couldn't tell you a single thing about Milton Keynes. I couldn't tell, like. <laughs> I just. I, I. The only thing I know is when I'm going in and out of London, I get the slow train and it stops at Milton Keynes. That's the only thing I can say about it. I'm like, oh, this is Milton Keynes, right? Okay. Like I have no clue about it. But I'm going to steal a story from the comedian Ellis James. It's a great. He said he went away to MK Dons mm-hmm. and he said there was someone who was an announcement at half time. It was like, well, um, congratulations to like Tom Smith who has attended every single MK Dons game. <laughs> and it just like sums up the club like this 16 year old stood there, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's a typical yeah. plastic environment. Yeah. Bits. So there's only one true team in Buckinghamshire. It's called Wicked Wondrous. So uh, there you go. go. That's my plug. There for the we day. go. Bit of a weird, bit of a weird one that. Elsewhere, um, Manchester City beat Chelsea two 0 I honestly know nothing about the game. Uh, I don't know. City won. Um, I mean, you, always, you always win in the Carabao Cup, apart yeah. from last year, don't they? Like they just took a year off, but they always yeah. win it. Um, the last thing I want to talk about because he's an Irish wonder kid is Kelleher saving three penalties in the shootout for Liverpool. And if you haven't seen the third penalty save, he saves it with his wrong hand. It is genuinely one of the best penalty saves I've ever seen. Um, And it feels like he's a really exciting keeper for Ireland. So I wanted to give him a little shout out, even though he doesn't start for Ireland because we've got Bazunu. It's one of classic things where you need good players and all your good players arrive in one position, like Scotland and left backs. (laughs) It's just, could you not spread it out a little bit? Am I right in thinking that's his fourth penalty shootout that he's been in? Apparently he's saved six penalties overall in the Carabao Cup. It's incredible. Uh, It's apparently like a record for the club. And I think, you know, that's what you want though as like a number two keeper. Uh Um, Somebody who's up and coming, young and got ability. Like if you were to put him in, you know, if Alisson got injured and you you put him in the Liverpool squad, he'd do a job to be fair. He'd be fine. Um, fine. Certainly more than the likes of, you know, Carrius, Mignolet, Adrian. Like you'd actually be quite a reliable backup for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I really like him. And he scored the winning penalty in the cup final for Liverpool, which I think people forget as well. Like, So he can also put them away. So fair play to him. Um, yeah, great moment that. Um, and the last, last headline from um, the Carabao Cup. London is indeed red, but it is the red of the addicts as they are the only London <laughs> yes. team left in the Carabao Cup um, as they... Did where was the game? They, they, they beat Stevenage. Beat Stevenage yeah. five four. A lot of games went to penalties last night. Hey, they did. Yeah, yeah. Penalty shootouts. Um, the one West Ham Blackburn ten nine. Bloody hell. Um, yeah. At the moment, geez. Last time I checked, it was nil nil. It's now one one. United Villa. I don't yeah, know what just keep, happened. Base. Yeah, I've, I've been looking at the BBC updates, and yeah, it's all escalated quite quickly. It seems. Okay. Uh, I swear, I was just yeah. on this tab, well, and it was nil nil. Yeah, Ollie Watkins scored for Villa, um, and um, the back again, Anthony Marshall has um, put put one in return. So wow. there we go. There we go. More to come. Kicking off. Nice. Well, we're going to leave the Carabao Cup there for now because I think, yeah, enough Carabao Cup. And we're going to (laughs) talk about the World Cup squad announcements. Now, of course, we can only start in one place, and that is with Gareth himself. Um, So I'm going to start with Andy. Your first thoughts on 
the World Cup squad when you saw it announced? I think a lot of it was uh, what was it? I think there was a lot of um, what was already expected. I think mm-hmm. we kind of, I think out of that squad of 26, we probably could have picked 18, 19 of them um a while ago and i've always had the impression that gal southgate has had his squad picked for months and whatever yeah. happened this season largely wasn't going to affect it um i think uh, you know the injuries a few injuries have forced his hand on a few occasions but there were a couple of nice surprises in there um James Madison being the most notable yep. one is is interesting because there's lots of leaks during the week that he wasn't in the squad um and that turned out to be woefully misplaced. Uh, so he, he's he's in the squad. Whether we get minutes or not, I don't know. But you know, to be fair, it's nice to see a player who's in form, um, you know, in the right yeah. moment, going into a major tournament. And I think uh, that's a good opportunity for him. Um, nice. And same same with Callum Wilson as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good shout. I think there was people calling for Tony. There was people calling for Tammy Abraham. I think Callum Wilson is only really the sensible choice um based on current form um adam what were your immediate reactions any surprises any calming inclusions uh it's predictable i think he went safe option he went for what he knows best in and you know i suppose we shouldn't be too surprised by the choices um as soon as the noise came out about ivan tony not making out kind of yeah, concluded that, yeah, we're not going to have anything as a wild card. And that was shown by the fact that, you know, I suppose the surprise was Sam Gallagher being in that squad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I do worry about the left-back position. I kind of raised it on our WhatsApp mm-hmm. group. I said, if Shaw was to get injured, then he's probably going to play Trippier and then maybe Carl Walker or Ben White at the other side. I, I, I think... don't know. It feels a bit, yeah. There's a really terrifying prospect. There's a really terrifying prospect in my head, and it was put in my head by um, Jack from Footlol, friend of the show, that he's kind of brought in Saka as a left back option as well. Um, That, like, I think Saka should be starting right wing because he's our best right winger. But I kind of feel like Gareth has a plan for him at at left back, and I'm like, please don't do it, please don't do it, because if he he's not played, he's played there once for Arsenal, and if all of a sudden it goes wrong, then just I can't handle it. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. It was it was a fairly safe squad, which is what you want, right? You don't want a squad that you massively don't expect. You're like, well, yeah, I didn't exactly. see any of this coming. So a lot of it is good. Um, I just, yeah, the, I just, I fear about our defence. I think you're right. Another left-back option would have been good. I think, I was trying to think about who the left-back option would be. And I kind of went through English left-backs. And I was like, Tyrick Mitchell, Session uh, Aaron Crosswell, Rico, Henry. Rico, Rico Henry, Henry at Brentford, it's Dan, it's Dan Byrne. Um, yeah, Dan Byrne is a shout. And I was like, are, are any of them really like if he'd have included Dan Byrne, I feel like Twitter would have melted. Like, so I think <laughs> in hindsight, a lot of people would go, Well, why didn't you pick him? But then if he had, they'd have been losing their shit. But maybe that's just Twitter. I think, I think there's just, I think there's just not enough quality. The left backs, I think mm. the only proven left back is Luke Shaw. Yeah. Um yeah, and he's yeah. picked he's picked his return to good form um in time because yes. it was looking a little bit ropey for him at the start of the season. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think with Chilwell getting injured, I think Luke Shaw will be the key left back. I think in the group games that you'd like to think England you'll be able to wing it um, yeah. and hope that Luke Shaw is at least rested 
for the mm. you know the games where he will be needed because let's be honest he he opened the scoring in the in the yep. final uh let's yeah, yeah 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 he has, he has, generally speaking, performed well for England. I think we could argue to be blue in the face about the centre back choices, like you know, with Eric Dyer and um, Harry Maguire. They, especially Harry Maguire, like let's be honest, if it was based on form alone, he has absolutely no right mm-hmm. to being in the squad. He's been injured. He's lost his place at first choice at Manchester United. Um, yeah. He's had a very ropey time. You know, the one thing that's always worked is defense. Uh, you know, even if it, well, even his last game for England, he was ropey against Germany. Um, mm-hmm. Generally speaking, he's been a consistent presence for um, Southgate, and at his best, he's very, he is actually quite good on the ball. Uh, it's just the problem is he hasn't been at his best for a very long time, so yeah. that is a massive gamble. And a bit like we've asked how Arsenal fans feel about. Saka, I, I I do kind of I do want Harry Maguire to have a good tournament, not just yeah. for England, but also oh, of course you don't you like the guy? I want him yeah. to do well. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like I want him to do well personally because I think I know he's going to get absolutely roasted yeah. if yeah. if he performs badly, and I think mentally he'll find that hard to recover from post World yeah. Cup. I if, think um, yeah. I think my issue with it is that we've had chance to improve the centre back partnership because what everyone says to me now is well Harry Maguire's played for England consistently, that's why he's picked him. But we have better centre backs and the qualifying period is what that's meant to be for is to find your best players, find yeah. your best partnerships and get them used to playing with each other. So I was talking to friend of the show, Tom, about this, and I said, I think our best two centre-backs are Stones and Tamori. He said, but they've hardly played together. I was like, well, then play them together. Like, if you can't, if they're your best two, that's what the Nations League and the qualifying Mm -hmm. campaigns are for, to get them used to playing with each other. What we have a go at Nations for quite a lot, and national team managers, is when you don't move on. When you don't, like, Harry Maguire (laughs) was great in 2018. He was great in twenty in the Euros, but he's not been good since. So at that point, you have to say, okay, well, who's the best now? We need to be preparing for the next tournament, not basing decisions on how good they were at the last tournament. And I think exactly. that's how managers get caught behind and that's how they get stuck. And I think what we've done is we've kind of painted ourselves in a corner where we have to play Maguire and Stones or Maguire and yeah. Dyer because they're the only defenders we've played because he's not, he's too afraid to experiment in the qualifications and Nations League. Because, and it's because the England job, there's so much pressure. You lose a game, and all of a sudden, you've got to get out. Like, so I get it. I just think we've missed an opportunity to upgrade the defense because the defense is what terrifies me. The rest of the team, yeah. I'm perfectly happy with. The goalkeeper's great. I think he's genuinely been outstanding for England every single time. I think he's a very good keeper. I think he's starting to calm down. He's getting better. The midfield. Me and me and Tom again when he came to visit, we were discussing which midfield in any of the tournaments are you taking over England midfield, and we couldn't really think of one between Belgium maybe, but yeah, I, I think like between Rice and Bellingham, and then whoever you're going to play between Henderson or Phillips or whoever, that is one of the best midfields of the tournament without a doubt, and then the attack is one of the most talented attacks England have ever had. So the rest of the team super happy with it's It's just the defense and i feel like for a manager who's so defensive and gets shouted at for being so conservative he's not improved the defense like do do you guys agree do you disagree i don't know i feel like this has been kind of running around in my head no go on andy go on 
No, go on, that's fine. I was just going to add to just question both to you as well. Um, Connor Cody's been bought in on the basis of vibes. It feels mm-hmm. like he's a good like, like team morale like person. Mm-hmm. Given that he's taken this stance with him, and I don't think he's going to get much game time, wouldn't he have been just better being part of the coaching staff and then giving that position to someone like a Tamori or Gwehi or someone like that up and coming? Just even if we're saying on the argument side, they haven't played with each other, so therefore needs time to adapt. Surely within the camp, they've got time to kind of drill it kind of make sure that they're ready for certain games yeah. like Connie Cody I appreciate he can go into he's best in a three right he's best as a mm-hmm. like a third as opposed to a two center back so that's why he had that issue at Wolves um but yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that that's a missed opportunity like bring I'm Connor still Cody taking, by all means I'm still taking Cody above Dyer I think he makes less mistakes than Dyer I'm still yeah. taking Cody ahead of him. I think, yeah. and and teams like Spain with Pepe Reina, he never got on the pitch, and they said without him, they're not winning the league, they're not winning the World Cup. So I think those like players have come out since and said he was so important that like yeah, yeah, maybe course. maybe it's patronizing, maybe it's just that he feels he earned the medal. I don't know, but I think a lot of squads do afterwards come out and say like you know that's why Brazil have called up Danny Alves. Danny Alves isn't going to play. Yeah, exactly. Like he's there for that, right? Um, I kind of like it. I just, yeah, my issue wasn't with Connor Cody. My issue really wasn't yeah. with Connor Cody. It was, it was with Dyer and Maguire, really, the two that I kind of. Am I, a I bit think, lost it, with. I think the selection makes sense. I mean, yeah, obviously you could argue that other have got in of him, but at the same time, like he's always worked away in the back three, and you know, against the top team, Southgate is going to play a back three. Yeah. That's what yeah. he does. So that's probably with that in mind, and also he can play in the back two. That partnership between with, with Tarkovsky um, and him at Everton has actually been quite yeah, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. He has actually been quite solid. And I think in terms of what he offers in terms of leadership and his presence off the pitch, that is obviously a big factor. And when mm. you're away at camp for uh, I said this so American. Anyway, uh, <laughs> when, you, when you're away from home for a few weeks at a tournament, um, you need people like you need yeah. those calm personalities. The likes of him, the likes of Henderson, will be big figures yeah, in yeah. that in that squad in terms of leadership um, and keeping the morale and stuff like that together. Um, mm. So I think I think you have a, you have a part to play. Like I said, you know, and I think um, the other intriguing part of this whole World Cup selection was the striker debate. And I mean, people talked about. Um, obviously, whether Ivan Tony should have gone, maybe the uh, slightly suspicious timing of those betting allegations. I perhaps... think that definitely had something to do with it. Yeah, with it. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're a professional footballer betting on football matches, I'm not being funny. The consequences have always been there. They've always yeah. been harsh. They've yeah. always been severe. Yeah, yeah. You, you're you know asking you... for trouble. You're asking yeah. for trouble. It's not. It's not like it's not like a new thing. They suddenly decided to clap down on. They've been banning footballers to gambling for years uh, because that's what Sky give a shit about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, so that that wouldn't have that wouldn't have helped matters. But at the same, when you look at the profile of striker, you know, I think um, he's quite. He has similarities to Harry Kane. That he's got a very very good all round game. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, who's starting every game in the World Cup? Harry Kane. Yeah. Callum Wilson offers something definitively different to what other England strikers mm-hmm. do. I mean, he's a very he's got he of pace, pace pace of, pace of the last man, very clinical finisher. And you know, when you look when you're talking last 10-15 minutes and you need something a little bit different to score a goal, 
I think Colin Wilson. I can um, definitely see him making a difference. I can definitely yeah. see him coming on in like a round of 16 or a key group game coming on and getting that goal and being like, that's why you call him up. I can he's also good at penalties, right? And he's also very, very good. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. well, yeah, we need that as well. Uh, plus also, I think, you know, I keep maintaining it. I still think we're going to see an England player who's been selected this weekend crop to somebody else get called up. Oh, uh, okay. Let's get our bold England predictions. That's your bold England prediction. One <laughs> player is going to get injured and be replaced. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mine is that um, I'm going to say James Madison. I think I put it on Twitter earlier. Gets a maximum of 14 minutes across the <laughs> tournament. <laughs> that, is, that, that is why he's going to get brought on either when a game's already won or when a game's already lost. It's going to be one of those two. Um, Adam, bold England prediction. What do we think? I think I've already alluded to it. I think uh, Shaw gets Crocs at the World Cup and we're forced to play someone out of position. Oh, we're going to get trippier at left back, people. <laughs> we're going to get trippier at left back. But I think that's enough, Bastard England um, squad chat. Let's do, we can all pick one squad that we've looked at and been excited by. Um, I'm just scrolling through the Wikipedia page, because that is how good our research is. We use <laughs> Wikipedia. Um, the squad that, as we've been talking about it, um, doing all our preview videos, which you should definitely check online on YouTube, um, I think the squad that I'm most excited by at the moment is probably, I don't know... Um, Brazil? Argentina? I know it's not exci- I know it's not surprising, but the Argentina squad, mm-hmm. I looked at it, I was like, shit, that's good. It is just very, very good. I feel like they've actually got quality surrounding Messi now, as opposed to just Messi. Um, the midfield of like DePaul, um, McAllister, Palacios, Rodriguez, they've got like Di Maria. They've just got a lot of quality around there. Martinez, Dybala, all the Correas, Julian Alvarez. Like the defense mm. looks pretty solid, like Taliafico. I have to say, it sounds weird when you say McAllister in uh, Argentina. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like Gary McAllister's just turned yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, he's back. Um, they've got Romero, Lissandro Martinez, of course, and there's a lot of Martinez. They've got Emiliano Martinez in goal as well. That is a bloody good squad. I feel like I forgot how good that squad is. Um, Andy, which squad is exciting you the most? Oh, it's a bit of a, a bit of a tough one, but I think um, the the Brazil squad has got again not original in terms of yep. the no, the but they are the course. best. <laughs> but there's <laughs> yeah. al- but there's also like a few uh, last rodeos with that squad. Yeah. If you look at um, you look at the age profile of that squad, the likes of Daddy Alves and um, you know Thiago Silva, that's going to be their last major tournament for sure. Um, I think their midfield looks very interesting with uh, Bruno Gamares from Newcastle, who's been fantastic. Um, he's one heck of a player. Uh, Casemiro with Fabinho. That I mean, that is uh, one heck of a midfield. You've also got Fred. Um, well, Fred Brazil, Fred is great. Fred's great Brazil, Fred Brazil. is great, and also <laughs> I'm, really I'm good I'm, for them. And also the Alex Tellers Brazil. Version must be pretty good because the one I saw for Manchester United, <laughs> I was when I saw his name, I was like, "Is that him? That is that the uh, that is actually him? Yeah, uh, it, it actually is." Uh, but obviously, up front, uh, obviously Martinelli has got in there, uh, so I suppose yeah, yes, he, could, he made it. He made that'd it. Be good so to, that'd be good. That'd be good. 
that'll be good to see him on the world stage. I mean, they've got yeah. they've got that that's some real depth they've got up there. I mean, they've yeah. also they've also got some absolute shit houses there as well in a form of you know Charleston, Sebastian shit house. Anthony's a bit of a shit house as well. Yeah. Um, Neymar just annoys everybody because it's Neymar. Um, yeah. Casemiro. Yeah, so I think they're not going to be fun to play. No part of them is going to be fun to play against. Like, nice. it's no. going to be horrible. And who, start, be horrible. who starts at keeper for them? Because let's be honest, they've got Allison and Edison. I mean, that is I ridiculous. Think... That, that does seem greedy, right? It does. Seem... And like, <laughs> one, of them, one of them is going to be fuming because he's going to end his career with no international. <laughs> caps. Um, but I think Allison is their number one, right? I think he plays as their number one, but that is bloody hell. Yeah. It's just not fair. It's just not fair. Um, and uh, Adam, your squad, we've chosen the two best ones. I apologize. Yeah, I know. I know um, you have. What um, are you going to go for? I, I'm actually going to go for Germany um, Ooh, because I no. looked at the midfield. Uh, Kimmich, Musiala, Goretzka, Havertz, Sane, Gnabry, Muller, Gundogan. So that wow. is incredible. Um, is the, weak, we, yeah. the weakness is at the back, it has to be said. Mm-hmm. So apart from Rudiger, maybe Schlotterbeck, Sula has his hot and cold days. Um, no got call lights. up for Hummels. No yeah. call up for Hummels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But they've gone with youth, haven't they? So yeah. in mixed in with the likes of Günther, for example, he's an experienced mm-hmm. heads at Freiburg these days. But they've got uh, Tom's lucky man, Kira. Uh, the West back center back and uh, Kevin Trapp has been called up. He won't probably feature. Yeah. Um, and then one other name just to bring out from the past, Mario Gutter. He yes. uh, one last ride yeah. for one last ride. Um, Brazil are already, Brazil yeah, are already on, crapping themselves. I'm just really excited about Mukuku as well. Yes. Bruce Dortmund's yeah. forwards. So it'll be very interesting to see how he does in this squad I- as well. Yeah, I think I, it's um, a squad of a view to the future, I think it's yeah. fair to say. Yes. Um, I don't think anybody would be expecting to win it, but when you look at some of these, I think apart from in defence, where they clearly need some new yes. faces, but in three or four years' time, going into the next They've World They've got Cup the right coach, Euro, haven't they? Hans yeah. yeah, I think um, the is, other yeah. showing. It's an exciting time to be a Germany fan, and to hear more about it, check out our Germany preview show because it was genuinely fascinating and England fans if you haven't seen him just don't watch any German, Germany games because he's going to make you very angry he was eligible for England but he chose Germany Muziala <laughs> is genuinely absolutely terrified at how good he is he's currently Bayern Munich's top scorer and he's only 18 I think um, he is unbelievable I think he's genuinely going to tear this tournament apart and people are really going to realise how good he is people who don't watch the Bundesliga will be like Oh, Gareth, you should have just turned up at the door with some flowers and chocolates, do anything, get him to commit to England. The guy is unreal. Um, But that's it. We've been talking for a very long time. We're going to give your ears a little bit of a rest, and we will come back with our weekend previews and, of course, our customary quote. And here we are. Time for the weekend preview. We're going to try and be super quick, guys. Um... You know what we're like. We definitely won't be. But we're going to start by previewing Serie A and a few big games this weekend. Um, Adam, where are we going to kick off? Um, where are we going to kick off in Serie A? I think let's start off with Saturday. So the big game that's taking place on Saturday is Napoli versus Udinese. Udinese, a team that did quite well at the start of this season, as we said. They've 
fallen behind. Few results that have just been draws, really. Um, Another team yeah. that loves a draw. Another team exactly. that loves a draw. Um, so, yeah, from that point of view, Napoli on rich vein of form. It'd be good for them to uh, cap it off with one more win before we go into the World Cup. So, I see that as being a good game. The other one we did mention earlier on, Sampdoria versus Lecce. Uh, obviously, the uh, six-pointer, more to the point, but uh, a game that um, probably will be interesting to watch. Um, to be fair, I think that'll be quite end-to-end stuff, and I'm predicting Lecce to win that one. So, uh, I yes. think you're probably right. I'm going to take us over to Sunday in Serie A, and I've definitely got the better day here. There are some yeah. big games coming here. We've got Atalanta versus Inter, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Um, Atalanta struggling with form a little bit as we said they've only won two of their last five a bit feast or famine for them at the minute inter on the other hand four wins out of five maybe we were overreacting um but this is a big derby bergamo and milan Mm -hmm. do not like each other inter and atalanta do not like each other so it's a big game a lot on the line they will both want to sign off this part of the season with a W, so I think this could be a good one. Next on the Sunday, we have Roma versus Torino. Again, as we men- mentioned earlier in the show, Roma kind of need to get a bit of form. Torino capable of springing a surprise. I think this game is going to be like not the greatest quality, but very tense, and I think it's going to be close. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on. And then the last games, I feel like Serie A, late on a Sunday, never disappoints. Like, the late yeah. kickoffs on a Sunday in Italy are just always beautiful, and it really just fills that gap just perfectly. So, uh, the 6 o'clock kickoff Italian time in uh, on Sunday is Milan taking on Fiorentina. Milan up to third, and Fiorentina starting to find a bit of form. Yeah. Won their last three, starting to find their shooting boots. They're now only on a goal difference of minus one. Scored 17 conceded 18 so they're starting to wake up a little bit i think that conference league campaign really did shaft them a little bit but this could be a really tight game we've seen that milan are capable of kind of fumbling and fiorentina are always capable of springing a surprise so that game's definitely worth keeping an eye on and then the last game of the weekend last game of this part of the season in italy is juve hosting Lazio. This is second versus fourth. Lazio up to second as they're currently winning 1-0 against Monza, I think. Um, well, yeah, so Lazio won three of their last five. Juve, as we said, won all of their last five. So I feel like this is one of those games where a psychological deficiency is going to come in and Juve are just going to get the win. Um, but Lazio are always capable of getting the win so who knows but it should be a very good game that's it last year ended up two all with sergey malinkovic savage scoring in the 90 plus six minute in this one so uh yeah dramatic i think it could be a good match dramatic nice we're gonna move on to the premier league andy let me find the banner where's it gone premier league preview boom there it is andy which games in the premier league are we looking forward to so it's not too many um, outstanding games, I think, but uh, we've got uh, Tottenham Leeds um, for the three o'clock kickoff on the Saturday. That will certainly be entertaining. Uh, there could be a few goals and definitely some red cards. Um, yes. it just includes, <laughs> and um, Jesse Marsh and Antonio Conte on the sidelines. That'll be... Oh, that'll, hello. That'll be, that'll be a flashpoint, I could guarantee. Um, More of this. Because they're both very, very... Um, 
passionate <laughs> manager, shall we say. Um, and also with the unexpected um, clash with uh, Newcastle and Chelsea. And I think Ooh. a sign of Newcastle's progress is that I would actually put Newcastle as favourites to win based in based on their current form of where Chelsea have been. Um, uh, I think uh, with them sitting in third place, I think this will be a real statement if I can get it. Um, towards the arse end of the table, we've got West Ham and Leicester City, uh, both teams in need of points, um, You know, especially going in and uh, next to each other in the table as well. West Ham are in a bad sort of form at the moment in the league. Quite a bit of disgruntlement about the owners, which is never too far away, and also yeah, that's always team. one result away. I think, I mean, basically, it's yeah. Like it's David, Moyes, David Moyes as well. I think he's built up mm. a lot of goodwill over the past eighteen months, but I think the form this season that's starting to erode a little the bit. The form and, since, and, yeah, the form since the end of last season has been pretty terrible. Yeah, and, and like, but the thing is, so one one result can change a lot of things. Yeah, like they could yeah, yeah. they could be go as high as eleventh if West Ham win. Um, same with um, Leicester. So in the mm. classic game where both teams need a win, it'll probably be a nil-nil draw, which mm. does neither of them any favours and doesn't alleviate the pressure on either manager. So that's my bold prediction for um, that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, so I'm forever the pessimist. Um, then on a weird quarter to eight um, kickoff is Wolves-Arsenal. Um, again, <laughs> Wolves, you know, like I said, uh, potential new manager bounce. Um, it'd be interesting to see how uh, Lopetegui does. Um, and then on a Sunday, there's only two games. Um, Brighton Villa, um, Emery versus Deserby. I think that will be a very... Um, That's a clash of styles, isn't it? Clash. Yeah, yeah styles. Big, big clash of styles. Uh, but Villa looked very, very good against Manchester United last week. Uh, very clinical. Um, see, I mean, they're playing better for, mainly through virtue of just not having Steven Gerrard as a manager. Um, <laughs> I think that does help. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wish he just could have held on for another week or so um, <laughs> until the game against United last week. So I knew there was going to be new manager bounce. Yeah. And it, it fucking happened. Um, and then Fulham against Manchester United uh, with mm-hmm. a nice nice little trip to the Thames. Um, I mean, I said last week we should be beating Aston Villa, so maybe I probably shouldn't say that this week. For yeah, just, just um, leave that one. Mitrovic just, loves it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Mitrovic I, loves I, it. I'll just, I'll just keep it neutral and go, but like, I hope it's a really good game of football. I hope uh, football wins. I hope, I hope, football I hope, can be the winner. I hope everyone has a good time and football <laughs> wins and we have a glass of Pims on the Thames. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my bold prediction for there. So there you go. That's the Premier League. Uh, that is money. it. That's it. I think we're kind of ready. Are we ready to emotionally say goodbye to our leagues and kind of change our focus to the World Cup? Are we ready, boys? I mean, no. Yeah, we're gonna have to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. We've got very little choice. But don't you worry, listeners. We will be with you the entire time. The show will be very much the same, but better. We hope <laughs> it will be World Cup themed and we'll be talking nothing but World Cup. So we will see you there. But for now, enjoy your weekends, enjoy your footballing weekends, and we will see you with our customary quote. But not before I tell you, look at this, it's a roller coaster this hour. <laughs> not before I tell you that you need to follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, follow us on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. Go to our YouTube and get yourself in the mood for the World Cup videos. They are all there. A lot of them are there. There are still some to come. So keep your eye out. And for the final time, 
Enjoy your weekend. Here is our customary quote. In a week where the FIFA documentary exposing their corruption has finally been released on Netflix, we could only have a quote from Seth Blatter. And it is, of course, FIFA cannot sit by and see greed rule the football world, nor shall we. Good work, Seth.